Hello, Husky fans. This is Max Cerullo, and you are listening to another episode of Yes, UConn, the podcast where we dive deep into the greatest UConn basketball games ever played. Uh, And today, uh, we are going to continue our running feature on our new Big East rivals. And uh, this is one I've been looking forward to for sure. So, you know, Seton Hall, of course, is uh, probably the most interesting uh, new uh, Big East rival who UConn will be seeing over the coming years now. Uh, When we last saw Seton Hall, they weren't really... You know, they weren't really doing very much, uh, consistently one of the bottom programs in the league. And that is certainly not the case anymore. Over the last seven years, they have really taken off and really kind of just really stepped up their game. So uh, joining me today is Adam Zagoria from NJ, uh, from NJ.com and ZagsBlog.com. And, uh, you know, Adam is, uh, you know, a, a terrific basketball insider. He's, you know, been covering the sport for ages. Uh, you know, one of the, the best uh, New Jersey basketball guys around. Uh, Adam, thanks so much for coming on. How's it going? It's good, but you're making me feel old by calling me saying I've been around forever, man. Well, I mean, you know, hey, I mean, it's you've you've done great work. I really enjoyed following you throughout, you know, my career and you know throughout your career. Yeah, oh, absolutely. So, yeah, just you know, so just kind of to start things off, you know, Seton Hall, you know, we, UConn fans don't really have. That, I mean, they've been in, they were in the same conference for decades, but unlike with like Syracuse and some of the other rivals, like Seton Hall wasn't really a rivalry so much as they were just somebody in the conference. But that doesn't feel like that's going to be the case anymore. So, what is kind of the state of Seton Hall basketball as of right now, uh, as things stand in 2020, 21? Look, I'd say two things. First of all, there's going to be the on-the-court, you know, rivalry and games between, you know, UConn and Seton Hall. Obviously, Dan Hurley went to Seton Hall, uh, right? His father, Bob Hurley, is a legendary Hall of Fame coach from Jersey City in New Jersey. Um, You know, so the Hurley family are, are legends in New Jersey. Danny played at Seton Hall. So there's that component to it. Um, you now have a, a basically a recruiting rivalry, which I've written about on NJ.com, where, you know, Danny and his staff, Kamani, and those guys have come in and gotten two pretty high-profile players from the Patrick School in New Jersey, Adama Sanogo, who's a 6'9", 6'10", you know, power forward now, a freshman, and then Samson Johnson, who I know the staff is really excited about next year, is a 6'10", you know, high-motor, high-flying guy. Uh, so, so you know, basically UConn beat out Seton Hall and some other schools for Adama and Samson. So, you know, you got that, you got the recruiting aspect of it. You know, Kevin Willard, the Seton Hall coach, who's, you know, a very can be very facetious and sarcastic, uh, said at Big East Media Day that it sucks that UConn is back in the Big East. He's not happy about it. You know, and I think he was kind of joking about the, the recruiting part. You know, he went on to say it's good for the league and uh, UConn's a great program and it's good for the league to have them back in. And then just in terms of the on-the-court stuff, look, Seton Hall, before last year, Seton Hall had not won a Big East regular season outright title since 1993 when they had Terry DeHare and Jerry Walker. Now, last year when they had Miles Powell, they were picked number one in the league in 2019-20. They had two chances at the end of the year to win the title outright. They lost uh, to Villanova and at Creighton and ended up in a three-way tie with those teams. But they still won a share of the biggest you know, regular season title last year. They've been to the NCAA tournament, I think, four straight years, maybe five. 
under Kevin Willard. You know, obviously they would have gone last year, and then they were picked fifth, Mac, this year in the Big East. And I, you know, I think people were surprised. I think they could finish as high as, you know, second or third or fourth. No, definitely. So one of the things that struck me is about Seton Hall is, you know, like I said at the top, you know, when UConn left the conference, they were basically a bottom five team in the Big East. And now like this past year, they could have been a final four contender if like the tournament had been played. So how has this happened? You know, how did Seton Hall kind of go from being what they were to where they are now, which is, you know, one of the better programs in the country? Yeah, I mean, I will say that, look, I covered the team all last year. Um, you know, it's kind of sad, like any any reporter, any beat writer, you know, on the UConn beat or any beat, you know, you're, you're supposed to be objective as a reporter, but obviously you develop relationships with the kids and the coaches. And it was it was sad, you know, that they weren't able to play in the tournament. You know, not just them, but a team like Rutgers hadn't been to the tournament since 1991. They were going to go, um, you know, Obi Toppin and, and Dayton could have been a big story in the tournament. Now he's with the Knicks. Um, you know, they didn't get to play. So a lot of people thought Seton Hall had the potential last year to make the Final Four. If you talk to the, the Jay Billises of the world and the Fran Fraschillas and those guys, you know, they were all very high on Seton Hall. You know, they had two seven-footers. They had an All-American guard in Miles Powell. They had a lot of pieces. So, you know, I think the team feels like they could have made the Final Four last year. Um, and I think, you know, there'll be an NCAA tournament team this year. As far as your question about how they got there, um, you know, Kevin Willard has been there 10 years now, and I think, you know, eventually he'll probably, you know, move on, I would think, to a, a higher profile school. But he's a great coach. He, he really coaches the guys up, and he's done a good job at recruiting three- and four-star guys. You know, he doesn't get the five-star guys that Kentucky and Duke and, you know, and Kansas are getting. He's getting three three-star guys, four-star guys, a lot of whom are from New York and New Jersey. Like Miles Powell, I think was I don't know maybe maybe was a three star recruit. Uh, he was kind of heavy. He was a little overweight when he came into Seton Hall. He was you know had an injury. He he got his body in shape. The staff coached him up. <clears throat> he was an All American last year. He won the Jerry West Award as the nation's top shooting guard. And now you know he's he's got a free agent uh, invitation to the Knicks training camp. So that's a you know, that's pretty good. Um, for, for Seton Hall and they've, you know, they've developed other guys like that. They, they've also taken in like this year, they brought in a grad transfer in Bryce Aiken from Harvard, who's a New Jersey kid who also played at uh, the Patrick school, um, which is where Kyrie Irving, Michael Kidd Gilchrist, those guys went. And so, you know, it's, he's got a mix of guys he's recruited, a grad transfer in Bryce Aiken and um, you know, a couple other transfers. Yeah, so as far as this year's team goes, you just mentioned Bryce Aiken. You've also got guys like Sandro uh, Mamukashvili. I hope I pronounced that right. I've been trying to practice. <laughs> um, what can you know? So this team, they still got talent. So what can fans expect? Um, you know, if and when these teams play this year, you know, what can fans expect from this uh, this year's version of the Seton Hall Pirates? Well, look, I mean, I think first of all, you know, this is Danny's best team. You know, at UConn. You know, he's got guys, you know, Gaffney and Booknight and a cook, a cook, you know, guys, assuming a cook is healthy, um, you know, Booknight should, should really be kind of the, the main guy, but, you know, they got a lot of pieces. It's, it's his deepest team. Um, so I think, you know, they should have high expectations. Um, you know, Seton Hall is still, even though they lost 
Miles, and two other really key guys. First of all, they've got a lot of height. You know, they got Ike Obiagu, who's a seven foot two dude who transferred from Florida State. Um, you know, he's going to be a shot blocker, rebounder. Um, you know, he only averaged a couple points and a couple rebounds and a couple blocks, but he could really take it up another level this year. And anytime you have a seven foot two, you know, dude in the paint, it's going to be tough, you know, for other teams to to score over him. Um, you know, Sandro, as you mentioned, Mamu Kelishvili is my guy. He's a 6'10 guy from the Republic of Georgia. He was a unanimous first team All Big East preseason selection. You know, he's probably right now their you know their best player, their main guy. Um, you know, he was injured last year. He had a fractured wrist. I think he missed nine or ten games. But you know, he tested the NBA draft waters. Now he's back. He's told me he's very excited for the season to be healthy and. Um, you know, he's going to push the, the transition, push the tempo and transition, um, you know, and he could be a, you know, a double-double kind of guy most nights. Um, you know, Bryce Aiken's been injured with a knee injury, hasn't really been practicing, but, you know, he averaged 22 points a game, I think, two years ago at Harvard and 16 or 17 last year and some limited games at Harvard. So if he's healthy, uh, you know, he's 24 years old. He's an older, experienced kid. You know, if he's healthy, that's a really uh, huge plus for them if he can score, you know, 15 points a game. Um, they have other guards. Shavar Reynolds is a, a senior who will be playing the point a lot, you know, with and without Bryce. Um, Takal Moslin's a transfer from Canisius, who's a big guard, 6'5". I know the staff's expecting big things from him. Um, they have a kid, Tyree Samuel, is a 6'10", bouncy, athletic forward he's a sophomore from Canada uh you know the staff's high on him so you know they have a lot of um a lot of pieces there oh, and then you know I forgot Jared Roden and Miles Kale on the wings Jared Roden's kind of a junkyard dog kind of guy six four six five he's a he's a New York City kid uh was really one of their best players for part of last season and then Miles Kale's like a six five six six senior wing so you know those are older guys all those guys I mentioned Juniors, seniors, grad transfers, you know, some of them are in their, you know, early 20s. So anytime, any coach will tell you, you have an older team, experienced team and older guards, you know, that's good. No, definitely. Yeah. So, you know, one other thing about Seton Hall that I've been struck by is that they have really loaded up on the non-conference uh, schedule this year. And obviously, you know, remains to be seen whether any of these games will actually come to fruition. But what can you tell us about this, uh, their non-conference schedule and kind of, uh, I guess, you know, the potential they have to really, you know, if they win some of these games, really blow things out? Yeah, well, look, Kevin Willer, to his credit, has always loaded up on his non-conference schedule. You know, not every team does that. Some teams play a bunch of cupcakes and, um, you know, his philosophy is a, it's going to prepare his team for the big East season, which this year is going to start in mid December as opposed to late December. And second of all, it gives you, you know, NCAA tournament, you know, resume games, uh, you know, they're going to open with a game at Louisville on November 27th. I mean, first of all, we should mention Seton Hall is currently paused due to a positive COVID test, just like UConn just came out of it. Seton Hall still in their pause. Um, then they're going to open November 27th at Louisville. Then they're going to come back two days later and play Baylor, which is the number two team in the country, at the Prudential Center on November 29th. I think they also play Rhode Island and Penn State uh, in the preseason, so in the non-conference. 
So if you if you get that win at Baylor, um, you know that's a that's a signature win for the rest of your season. You beat the number two team in the country, so that's a huge opportunity for them early. Uh, you know, last year they played Michigan State early. The, Michigan State was the preseason number one. They were number three when Seton Hall played them. It was a close game. I think Seton Hall lost by like three. Miles had 37 points, but you know that was another opportunity for a resume win. They did. Uh, they also lost to Oregon in the preseason last year, but um, you know they had some nice wins. I think they beat Iowa State. Um, you know they had they had some other nice wins. No, definitely. So that'll be good for the league too, for sure. If you know if Seton Hall and you know some of the other teams that are playing big team, big non-conference games, you know those are going to be so much more valuable this year, especially if you know certain conferences really don't other conferences don't get a chance to play many if that you know we'll, we'll see how it all plays out it's, the season's like a, like less than a week away and we just don't know like how it's going to yeah, play I mean, out look back we should point out here that the big east has 11 teams now five of them five have already had to pause because of covid i mean mm. you know DePaul just announced it this week you know uconn and seton hall we've seen villanova and marquette had it earlier so that's almost half the league in Creighton that's too now. Oh, did they announce that today? Yeah, yeah that they're just just the, within the last couple, uh, within the last like uh, twenty four hours or so. So that's another big one. You know, that's half the league right there. Um, you know, and the season hasn't even started. So if the season starts and you have to pause for two weeks, you know, you're gonna miss three or four games. Yeah, so we'll we'll have to keep our fingers crossed because nobody wants that. So, you know, as far as like, so we talked a little bit about UConn-Seton Hall rivalry and kind of how things are going to be going going forward. You know, you mentioned uh, Kevin Willard's uh, quote at Big East Media Day. Uh, and just for the, the listeners so they know, the full quote was, he was asked about what it's going to be like to, uh, you know, have UConn back or some something along those lines. And he says, well, it sucks for us, to be honest with you. Uh, I voted against it, so I'm not happy about it. No one in this league listens to me, so I'm not getting my way. In general, for the league, it's great. I'm a big fan of what Dan does. And, you know, obviously, it seems like he was kidding, but, like, not really also. <laughs> so, you know, how has UConn's return been received within the Seton Hall program and, you know, by the Seton Hall community at large? Yeah, I mean, just to clarify, Kevin doesn't have a vote. Like, it wasn't – the coaches didn't vote on it. You know, the, the league presidents did, and the, the league made the decision to bring UConn back. Um, and, you know, he says he was kidding, but, you know, he's got a very dry wit. And, um, you know, he, I, he obviously has respect for Danny. He knows Danny's a Jersey guy and all that. Uh, but, again, it's, it makes life tougher for Seton Hall, especially in, in recruiting. Because, you, you know, I've written a bunch of stories on this in, in the New York Times and elsewhere, you know, for UConn, now they can tell kids, hey, you're in the big, you tell kids from New York, New Jersey, Washington, D.C., the, the DMV corridor, you're going to play games in the Big East. You know, it's a, it's one of the best leagues in the country. You're going to play games, you know, St. John's, Seton Hall, Villanova, Georgetown, Providence, that, that whole corridor, as opposed to having to go play games in, you know, Houston and Memphis and Florida and Tulane and, you know, places that, frankly, you know, weren't geographic rivals of UConn. Um, look, as far as how they're received in the league, I think I think everyone understands UConn belongs in the Big East. They never should have left. They're ge- they're part of the geographic footprint. I mean, it's a little unique because they're the only you know public university in the league. All the other schools are you know smaller, private, mostly Catholic schools. 
Uh, but you know, when you think Big East, I grew up on the you know the Big East of the '80s and '90s. It was Georgetown, Syracuse, UConn, and obviously Syracuse is not coming back because <clears throat> they're in the ACC. But bringing UConn back was huge. I think you know all the coaches realize that, and um, you know it can it's it, it can only enhance the league to have rivalries, um, and and UConn's going to have all these you know geographic rivalries, and the fact that. You know, Danny went to Seton Hall, and his family's from Jersey, and I believe his son uh, is at Seton Hall. You know, that uh, that can only add to it. Yeah, and so, and just how about within the fan base, too? Because obviously, like, you know, for fans, they're just like, oh, hey, cool, you know, UConn is going to be a fun team to play. But then you also have the dynamic of these guys might steal all our recruits. How how has, like, the, the, like, the fan community responded to uh, Seton, uh, to UConn's return? I mean, look, I'll say, first of all, it's a little weird this year, right, because there aren't going to be fans at games. So, you know, I haven't really mingled with too many fans, right? None of us are mingling with people right now because of the virus. Um, and it'll be weird when Seton Hall and UConn, you know, especially when Danny and UConn come to Seton Hall, you know, there won't be fans there and probably his family won't be there. So it'll be missing that element. Um you know, I see the UConn fans having fun there on Twitter and the internet about, you know, stealing players out of New Jersey. And, you know, I get it. I've written all about that. Um, you know, as far as the Seton Hall fans and stuff, I mean, I, you know, I think if you're a true basketball fan, you got to like the fact that UConn's back in the league and, and you can get a chance to play against the best and, and play against Danny. But, um, you know, it's anytime you lose – you know, lose out in recruiting battles, it, it can be tough. Yeah, no, definitely. So let's talk about recruiting then, because this has been a big kind of uh, a big part of the UConn and Seton Hall's journey over the past seven years or so. So, you know, when UConn is in the American Conference, uh, it's you know, well documented that their recruiting fortunes really took a, a downturn. Uh, so, you know, you're someone obviously with a lot of connections to that New Jersey recruiting area. So what exactly was UConn's reputation when they were kind of in the Kevin Ollie AAC you know, era, you know, it was, uh, you know, and then I guess on, on that respect, you know, how did Seton Hall and Providence kind of play off of that? Yeah. I mean, look, I think people here still in New York, New Jersey, still, everybody knows about the UConn brand. You know, they won four NCAA championships. You know, Kevin was here to recruit, um, uh, who's, who's the kid that went to, uh, went to Syracuse to transfer to Rhode Island. Yeah. It's Jalen Carey. Sorry. Okay. He's, he's, um, he's a guard who committed to Syracuse over over UConn and then just transferred to Rhode Island. But, you know, I remember being at his gym at Immaculate Conception in New Jersey a couple of years ago. Kevin Ollie came in to recruit him, and um, uh, and Coach Beheim was there from Syracuse. And, you know, it was, a, it was a heated battle between UConn and Syracuse, basically. And he ended up picking Syracuse, but UConn was in there with Kevin Ollie. So, you know, I don't think uh, I don't think we should completely rewrite history and say that, you know, Kevin Ollie. You know, I know there's a lot of bad blood there, but you know, I don't think we should rewrite history and say he was completely incompetent as a recruiter. He he knew who the good players were and he was trying to get them. Um, you know, basically now, coaches around here know that UConn's in the Big East and kids who go there, like uh, you know. Uh, Samson Johnson and, uh, you know, Andre from uh, Albany 
and uh, Adonis Sonogo, all these kids, you know, they're going to get to play games in this area, you know, at Seton Hall, at St. John's, at Villanova. So you get the geographic rivalry. And if you're a parent or a friend of that recruit, you, you have multiple opportunities to see them play games in this area, you know, as opposed to the Americans. So, yeah. So I think, I guess that, that kind of is kind of getting at what I was, what my thought process was there, which is that, you know, when UConn wasn't in the Big East, that just simply structurally was just a hurdle that they had to overcome where, you know, the players that they wanted or the players who would have been the ideal fit maybe just are like, well, I don't want to be in that conference because I won't be playing in front of my fans and, you know, friends and family. Other schools, I mean, let's be honest, other schools negative recruited against UConn by saying, telling a kid like, you know, hey, you know, you're going to go end up going to play against, you know, whoever, Tulane and all the, the Florida schools, whoever's in that league, was in that league. And they use that to negative recruit against UConn by saying, you know, you're not going to get to play in front of family friends. You're going to be in this peripheral league. Um, you know, Danny and his staff had to kind of deal with that. And now, you know, they can say, hey, we're in the Big East. It's one of the, you know, couple best basketball conferences in the country. Yeah, no, definitely. So I think, you know, one, so let's kind of to kind of dive into some certain particular players. We, we talked a little bit about Adama Sonogo earlier, and he is a uh, definitely a guy who feels like there's no way he would have wound up at UConn if they were still in the uh, the American Athletic Conference. And by all accounts, it sounds like he was pretty um, heavily favored to go to Seton Hall until I guess UConn kind of got it kind of made their move late or well, they might, they may have been involved the whole time, but you know, it sounds like that his decision to go to UConn kind of came late in the process. So what was that whole, how did it all play out with Adama? And you know, when the season begins, what can fans expect out of him? I mean, look, I covered him last year. Uh, he was on a team at the Patrick school with this kid, Jonathan Kaminga, who's now in the NBA um, G league select team. Who's, you know, a future NBA lottery pick probably. And, you know, the, the two of them were really fun to watch. I mean, there's a lot of, you know, there were other good players on the team. There's a lot of dunks and fast breaks. And, you know, I think a lot of college teams would have signed on to take St. Pat's front line, you know, right out of high school to be their college front line with Adama and Kaminga and Samson Johnson and those guys. And now UConn has, has two of these guys coming in. Um, first of all, you have to give Kamani Young – you know, a huge assist. You know, everybody here in New York, New Jersey knows Kamani. He's got good relationships with the coaches. Um, you know, I wrote a story recently on NJ.com about Danny and Kamani went to the Patrick School in October, September of 2019, I guess that was. And, you know, Kamani brought Danny there to see Adama a couple days after Danny's, um, you know, back surgery, neck surgery, whatever. And they saw uh, Samson Johnson there also. And Danny was like, oh, this is what Big East, you know, forwards look like when they're winning championships. You know, we have to have this guy. And so, you know, they end up getting both of the guys. Um, you know, Adama, Seton Hall really wanted Adama. You know, Nebraska was in there, a couple other teams. And, um, you know, it was a combination of Kamani, Danny, and then R.J. Cole, Gets a big assist. He's another New Jersey kid at UConn who played for Bob Hurley Sr. at St. Anthony's, and he was, you know, doing, you know, FaceTimes or whatever, video conferencing with Adama, telling him, you know, how he could fit in at UConn. 
Nice. And yeah, let's let's talk a little, little bit about Samson Johnson, too, because of the uh, the three new new recruits that UConn has recently uh, got commitments from. He he's a guy I, I think maybe compared to the, you know, Hawkins and uh, Rasul Diggins, maybe feels like has flown a little bit more under the radar locally here uh, within the UConn community. So what can fans expect from him? And uh, what, what are you know, what what kind of a player is he going to be, you think? I mean, I wrote a story recently where Danny, I quoted Danny saying he's think Samson has pro potential. You know, he's a, he's a six foot 10 guy who, you know, I think he's originally from Togo in Africa and then uh, played at a camp in Senegal and I guess was kind of discovered in Senegal and <clears throat> came to the U S through the uh, New York Jayhawks AAU program with Jay David. So that Patrick school team, you know, had a lot of African kids, you know, Adama's from Mali, Samson from Togo, you know, that, that didn't really play well with some of the other New Jersey high schools, but that's a whole nother story. Um, but, you know, Samson Johnson, 6'10", running up and down the court, you know, long, athletic, blocking shots, dunking. You know, he's developed a little bit of a, a face-up game, you know, short jumpers. And he had a big uh, summer and fall. He led them to, like, an outdoor league championship in New Jersey this summer. And he was invited to the Pangos uh, All-America Festival in Arizona. I don't think he was able to make it for travel reasons or whatever, but he was invited. So you know, I think the staff's really, really high on him. Nice. No, definitely. So let's look a little further ahead. Uh, there are a handful of prospects in the class of 2022 that uh, we know UConn has been involved with. Uh, one uh, who made news recently, uh, Corey Floyd Jr., just announced his final seven. Uh, UConn was uh, among the teams included in that. You know, he's a you know a six four uh, four star combo guard out of Roselle Catholic in New Jersey. Um, by all accounts, sounds like a, a terrific prospect. What can you what what should UConn fans know about him? And uh, I guess kind of where do things stand as far as his timetable and his decision making process? As far as you know, yeah, he's a six five guard at Roselle Catholic, which you know has produced uh, you know Isaiah Briscoe and Naz Reed and uh, Khalil Whitney. You know a lot of professional type players um he's in the class of 2022 so he's still got a couple years he cut his list to seven the other day he broke it down on if you google Corey floyd jr and zags blog um you'll get his comments on each school i think he's got miami rutgers uh yukon i'm not sure who else is i guess maybe you can pull it up um but you know i think yukon's in there like like these other schools and, you know, that would be a, that'd be a great get for them. You know, a six, five, you know, combo guard, lead guard. Anytime you get a kid from a New York, New Jersey school, you know, you're getting a tough kid who's used to winning and expects to win. And, uh, you kind of will be in the mix there. Yeah, and then so another guy who I think a lot of UConn fans are uh, particularly interested in is uh, Donovan Klingen, uh, who is the you know the seven foot one uh, big man out of Bristol Central and you know Connecticut. He uh, so the last I checked uh, a couple days ago, I guess he got his sixteenth Division one offer from Ohio State. So he's been obviously very very highly recruited and somebody who everybody wants a piece of. So what is his? Uh, what's the latest on him? Is there? I guess, do we have any sense of, you know, when he might commit or if UConn is, I guess, one of the favorites still or, or what's uh, kind of what's his deal right now? Look, I think, they're, you know, he's, he's, he's the best 
you know, big man in, in Connecticut, one of the best, best big men in the country. Obviously, UConn's been invested and involved in him for a long time, you know, with, with Tom Moore. Um, you know, I talked to, to Donovan's AAU coach and his, and his dad, and, you know, I don't think they have a timetable yet, but, you know, I'm sure UConn is going to be, you know, if not the favorite, you know, one of the few favorites going down the stretch. And, you know, if you're UConn and, and Danny and, and Tommy, you know, that's a guy you, you've got to keep home. You know, it's kind of like, uh, you know, Rutgers had Cliff Amori, right, is a New Jersey kid who was recruited by UConn and Auburn and <clears throat> Kentucky for a while. But, you know, if you're Rutgers, you got to keep that kid home. And he ended up staying home um, and going to Rutgers. So it's kind of the same thing with Donovan Klingon and UConn. I mean, it's almost like, you know, I'm not going to say it's a failure if they don't get him, but if they don't get him, it means he left the state and went somewhere else. So, uh, you know, I think there's some people who think he will eventually end up there, but, you know, he's still got a, a couple of years to go through the process. No, definitely. So what? who else is out there that UConn fans should be keeping an eye on in terms of guys who UConn has expressed interest in, maybe top guys who could potentially wind up on the radar? Is there anybody else kind of who, you know, if UConn fans need to kind of come up with a list of names to be you know aware of, who, who else is out there who we people should be uh, aware, you know, keeping an eye on? I mean, I know Jaden Lamond is a class of 2022 guard that uh, I think we just posted about him on Zag's blog. I, he said five schools are working the hardest, he told us this week, the 6'4 guard. He had UConn, Michigan, Vanderbilt, Auburn, and Stanford. So that's certainly a name to keep an eye on if you Google. Uh, he's from uh, Dwight Englewood here in New Jersey. So that's certainly a name to keep an eye on. If you Google Jaden Lamond, J-A-Y-D-E-N Lamond, L-E-M-O-N-D, and Zag's blog, you can get his comments. Um, you know, I think, you know, they're doing a good job basically, you know, recruiting this Carter, like we said, from New York, New Jersey, you know, Justice Williams is another kid. He's a shooting guard at Montverde who transferred from, uh, one of the Philadelphia schools. He's now playing for Kevin Boyle at Montverde. I know they've had a, uh, I know they've had a zoom call with him. Um, you know, Simeon Wiltshire, I guess his class of 2023. At Roseau Catholic, he's one of the top, you know, five or ten kids in that 2023 class. Uh, you know, UConn will be in there with everybody else, including, you know, Kansas and a bunch of other schools. So, you know, those are some other names. All right, very good. So, um, yeah, so I guess just to, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't want to keep you for too long. So just to, to wrap things up, you know, we we're about to embark on a pretty weird season. And, uh, you know, obviously we already mentioned how a lot of programs have been affected by the by COVID in some way, and um, one hopefully saving grace is that when the the Thanksgiving break begins, a lot of these campuses are going to clear out. So there'll be a couple of months where these teams will be able to operate in something more resembling a bubble than what they've been able to when the you know the the campus uh, is you know the student body is there. So what are what what do you think about just the way the season's going to go? Is there any chance that we might have something even closely resembling a normal season, or do you, do you think this thing is ultimately going to be a disaster? Yeah, I mean, look, I was on a Zoom call with Jay Wright and some other writers yesterday, and he was saying that if if a team can get to 13 games, which is the requirement to make the NCAA tournament, they're going to breathe a lot easier, right? I mean, you really only have to play 13 to make the tournament. So it'll be it'll be really interesting 
if we get to March and there are some teams that, you know, somehow could only play 11 or 12 games. And, you know, let's just say hypothetically Kentucky or Gonzaga or Baylor, uh, you know, gets like two or three pauses during the season or two, right, that causes them to miss a bunch of games. And let's say they only wind up with 12 games. And let's say they go 12-0 and or 11-1 and or 10-2 and in those games. They're going to be kept out of the tournament because they didn't play 13 games. You know, that then you're really talking about an asterisk situation where you, let's say you have, you know, I'm just kind of thinking of this on the fly, but you have an NCAA tournament with one of the best teams in the country that didn't qualify because they didn't play 13 games, right? So obviously all these teams want to get to 13. That You know, most teams are scheduled, whatever, 25, 27. So getting to 13 is, you know, half or less than half shouldn't be that hard. But, um, look, I don't think anyone knows. I mean, we're just – every day there's a new new COVID test, new pause. Iona down here in New Rochelle, which has Rick Pitino as its coach now, had to cancel four games to start their season. They, they were going to start November 25th. Now they're not going to start till December 3rd. So, again, you know, that's going to cut into your, your ability to accumulate games and your resume. Um, I think we're going to end up seeing – you know, they've already announced the NCAA tournaments in a bubble in Indianapolis. They, they can't likely in Indianapolis. They lost $375 million on the tournament last year. They can't afford not to have an NCAA tournament this year, so they have to have it. Um, it'll be weird. You know, it'll be kind of cool and weird that the whole tournament's in one city, right? If you're Duke, you don't get to play two games in, in Greensboro, in North Carolina, to start the tournament. Um and uh, the Big East tournament, you know, who knows? It could end up in a bubble at Mohegan Sun or somewhere. Yeah, it's just going to be an interesting season. But that's, uh, I don't know, it's better than no basketball at all. So that's for sure. So um, if everybody's got a mask up, socially distanced, stay safe, all that stuff. No, absolutely. So, Adam, thanks so much again for taking the time today. I really appreciate it. So, um, you know, just uh, I'm going to give you kind of the opportunity to, uh, you know, where where can people find your work? You, you know, you, you've got you, you're published all over the place. So uh, tell tell us kind of, uh, you know, where, where people can find you. Find me on Twitter at Adam Zagoria. You know, Zagsblog.com has a lot of recruiting stuff. I encourage people to check that out. Um, you know, NJ.com, Forbes. I'm, I'm a jack of all trades at this point. Nice. Very good. Well, uh, thanks so much. And uh, everybody uh, for, you know, everybody out there, thank you all for listening. Um, you know, hopefully by the next time you hear, hear this show, we will have uh, actual games to talk about. Uh, UConn allegedly, supposedly has a, a game maybe scheduled for the 25th. We, we still don't really know. That hasn't been announced officially as of this uh, recording. So, um, but yeah, so we'll be back next week. And uh, you guys, all you all know the drill. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Max Cerullo, M-A-C-C-E-R-U-L-L-O. Uh, DMs are open. Uh, email is yesuconpodcast at gmail.com. And uh, yeah, just uh, you know, hit us up with those uh, five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts. Uh, help us uh, get up higher on those uh, search algorithms and such. So anyway, you guys all have a good one. Um, and you all have a happy Thanksgiving. And uh, you all be safe. So we'll catch you all later. Bye.